My faith is my foundation. Taking it back to January 6th, there, the two things that really upset me was seeing my country and the U.S. flag being stolen, in my opinion, and but also in, at a very, at a much deeper level, seeing my faith being stolen. And in that, I wanted to step up. We don't have all the answers, and we ask tons of hard questions. Listen in as knowledge-seeking, faith-filled, and hope-driven voices from St. Elizabeth's Church in Sudbury, Massachusetts, connect to make our collective community stronger. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Hey, Mary Knox, how's it going? It's going well. I'm so glad that you and I are having this conversation because you mentioned something the other day in our coffee hour after our Sunday service. You said this remarkable phrase of the power of small change that really grabbed my attention. This idea that there are some really big things that are happening in the world and sometimes that can make us literally freeze and stop motion because we're so overwhelmed we don't even know what to do. And yet you're doing some amazing things here at St. Elizabeth's to help us all move forward, even if it's small baby steps. So I would love for you to just kind of start out by talking a little bit about yourself, where you were raised. You mentioned being from the South and kind of what's brought you up here and to St. Elizabeth's. Yeah, definitely. So I was born in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, Grew up in Jackson in the 1980s and 90s as um, the son of a manager at McDonald's, uh, followed by, uh, he went in, my father went to the postal service. My mother is a retired registered nurse. And I um, attended very white private schools, went to a very white Methodist church. But at a very young age, I was exposed to, for lack of a better word, I like to say I was exposed to the other. If, if there's nothing else my parents instilled in my siblings and me, it was, um, the knowledge that as Christians, we are charged with, we are challenged with um, doing what we can do to help the other, to help other people. It could be other people who are just like you, but it could also be other people who are much different than you. I graduated from high school, um, went to Georgetown University in um, our nation's capital. That is where Kirsten and I met. After we graduated, I spent a couple of years working for the Department of Justice um, as a paralegal. Quickly found out, um, thankfully, that I did not want to be a lawyer. Um, and then we kind of had, <laughs> then we kind of had that decision point of uh, where do we want to be to raise a family. The clincher was honestly when um, former parishioners Susan Newland and Larry Jobson had had their wedding renewal um, ceremony back in the early two thousands. Um, Kirsten knew them very well. Didn't know anybody from Sudbury from a hole in the wall myself. We came to that um, that that ceremony, um, that reception at their house, and I distinctly remember telling Kirsten, "Like this is home." At that point, we decided the Boston area is where we wanted to be. So there's so many things there that you just mentioned that I want to follow up on because I think that, to be honest, it seems like a lot of people are waking up and having a lot of personal growth and asking lots of tough questions of themselves. And so I just wonder, from your perspective, you know with everything that's been happening, merged with your Southern upbringing, yet personal deep knowledge of DC, and then being in a small parish like St. Elizabeth's, how are you making sense of all of this? Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of what sparked this, this idea of small change in me um, was the events of January 6th, seeing 
my country and the U.S. flag being stolen, in my opinion, and but also in, at a very at a much deeper level, seeing my faith being stolen, and in that I wanted to step up and not hide behind it. It was a conversation that you know kind of started building in me in a, in a late night text exchange that I had with my brother um, over the Christmas holidays. Um, he's out in California, and you know we just started rehashing our past, the upbringing that my parents um, provided to us. You know this idea of what can I do to not feel so helpless? What can I do to not go hide into my bubble that I honestly go into quite often, but at the same time, still, <laughs> still do what we do on a daily basis and raising our families and having our job commitments, our home life commitments, et cetera. He and I had this exchange where we challenged ourselves to at least do something, you know, at least take some steps to honor, you know, and to bring back what our parents instilled in us, which honestly, I feel like I've not done over the past 10 to 15 years. Maybe it's because I've been distracted by raising four kids. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I, I've challenged myself. And for those of you who, you know, seen me on Facebook and you know, in other communications through the parish, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to not shy away from that. And is that a small change? Perhaps it is. And I think we can be a community of faith and let people know we are. And in doing that, you know, the, the, the idea of thoughts and prayers is, is, is fine. That cliche terminology sometimes, again, drives me crazy. And I've been, I, mean, I was talking to Andrew about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I see it as thoughts, prayers, and action. Um, and what I'm challenging myself to do this year, if you will, this time, this moment in time is not to, not to, not to find myself not having moved because I'm afraid to move because I'm there's the, the move, the movement I try to put in there is too big that I never take that first step, but rather to take those thoughts, prayers and actions and make sure I actually act on it. If not in anything at all, but in a small way, because if I don't act in a small way, I'm never going to act in a big way. So as Episcopalians, some of us may be a little bit uncomfortable with the extent of showing our spirituality with others or the extent of sharing our message or the extent of talking about God in our lives with others. And maybe perhaps that's why for some of us now it is hard because we're trying to, something is stirring in us so deeply and so profoundly with everything that's going on. And we want to express that in faith as part of that expression. And yet the discomfort is there to, you know, how, how do we funnel that? How do we translate that into something that can be a small or a big change. My faith is my foundation. Evangelism in our pop culture, I believe, has a negative connotation because it has been stolen. When I talk about evangelizing, I don't personally take the approach of out there trying to convert people to Christianity. I take evangelism as not being afraid to let people know who I am. Prayer for me is a, is a powerful thing. 
I pray when I'm washing dishes, when I'm doing laundry, when I'm, you know, walking the dog. It's just, it, it might not even be a dear God or whatever. It might just be a me conversing with myself. I, I'm comfortable letting people know that. To give perhaps them the space to do the same. It's providing that sense of love and sense of community that I think we're all called to, to do as Christians. Mm. Tell me about some of the things that you've encouraged within St. Elizabeth's, including your prayer vigil and other conversations you're having. Yeah. I mean, it's still so this, this, <laughs> this idea I've had is still so new, um, you know, and I don't know where it's going to lead. Um, the, the prayer vigil that, um, that I helped manage, if you will, that was, to me was just a start wanting to have our community have an opportunity to come together and simply pray about the state of our country and open that up to the community, those who wanted to participate, whether or not they participated by signing up or whether they participated by not signing up. It's tough sometimes being in the pandemic, trying to be socially distanced. Um, so just a little, just a little, um, I've had, had ideas of, you know, over the break, you know, it was Ella and I, we were cooking soups together. And I don't know how the parish could do this, but having something where we help each other, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, the, the Varner family is going crazy tonight and just don't have time to get dinner on the table, but the Miller family yeah. could bring soup that we prepare for ourselves over to you. I mean, little things like that. You know, that or, sounds amazing. That, I vote for that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. You know, and I know there's been talk about and I, I so the way the way I the way I see the first step in is to start having conversations and to try to continue to build that sense of community. I can only imagine that whomever's listening right now is feeling just this overwhelming, you know, sense of emotion, everything, right? Like we are just living in this time where it can be completely daunting. And the hardest thing to do sometimes is to be open and honest and vulnerable. And our solution, you know, our, our coping mechanism up until this point has been to be in a faith community, to literally go every Sunday, if not more, to St. Elizabeth's to walk through those doors and to know that we have people there who are going to welcome us just as we are. And I feel like with this pandemic, there's just that huge sense of loss. Like that's mm -hmm. just not there anymore. And so how, you know, how do we build that deep connection? How do we continue to express our faith, especially when things are happening in the world that stir us to the point of discomfort? You know, so I don't know how we as a parish um, make sure we do that. But other than just do one thing, you know, just take yeah. one step, reach out to one person, you know say hello, figure out a group that you want to join. Just make that, make that commitment that I'm going to go to that one, that one, even though I've been on zoom calls all day long, I'm going to make that <laughs> commitment to go to yet another zoom at night or whatever and be part of that. It might sound easy, easier said than done. Um, and if it doesn't happen, don't beat yourself up for not, not doing it. I think we underestimate how much energy it takes to be involved on a computer screen. No you know, I think, I think we, you know, we, we started out talking about power of change and small change and things that we can do because we're stirred in us, you know, this 
idea and this passion and this drive. In my heart, as far as there are no answers. No, there are no answers. Um, We're all fumbling through this together. But I think, you know, we, as we fumble through it together, um, as we approach, you know, a year into this, um, I guess the challenge that I have to us all is to don't avoid trying to answer that question and put your thoughts out there, put your ideas out there. You know, if it's as simple as making an extra batch of soup <laughs> or yeah. what, or whatever, um, you know, that means a lot. So, yeah. And everybody's start is going to look different, right? Everybody like everybody's going to look different. Everybody's start's going to have different, different, different size, different scope. And one of the things you said earlier about with the prayer vigil that you did, it, it, success, the goal wasn't, you know, like you said, to fill every single slot. The goal was to just take this one step towards an action that could empower people to do something to help feel like they are becoming part of a solution as opposed to just, you know, instead of just treading water. Like, Yeah, that was the intent. And it's a starting point. What I hope comes out of, of all of this is a a renewed faith, um, a renewed sense of community, a renewed call to action, a renewed call to justice, an understanding that we, together, um, doing our small things, perhaps we'll do big things, but we don't have to set out to do big things. So, that's where I am now. <laughs> I'll talk to you again in a week. See if it's anything. No, it's just, and that's a fair. That, no, but that is a fair. That's fair. That's very fair. You know, it's an evolution. So we're all works in progress. Thank goodness. Well, Dave, again, thank you so much for this time. I really appreciate it. It's been a joy to speak with you, and I wish you and your family all the best. And I'm bringing you some soup. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Mary Knox. <laughs>